0: Okay, ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap
1: god damn it really
0: hey everybody welcome to i'm okay you're okay i'm not okay you're not okay
1: with me bob schneider and your other host clint wells you're welcome all right well welcome back to another episode of i'm okay you're okay i'm not okay you're not okay uh should we explain why we missed last week bob we were both on tour right uh we were
0: both on tour i didn't even know we missed last week we
1: missed a week we did miss a week. But that's okay. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, I'm told. Uh doesn't quite doesn't really work with my wife, but I'm told that that's a thing.
0: Right. Well, I I didn't know about it, so sorry for the folks.
1: You were out on the West Coast touring, I was touring in the Midwest. And I also I know this has happened to you before too, but man, I got really sick on the road last week and uh being sick on the road is no joke. It's really hard to get well once that happens, and you can feel it coming on too, right? Like I knew, like the day that we left, the bus left, I was like, "I'm going to be really sick in two days." I could feel it.
0: Right? Did you get AIDS again?
1: I did. I got AIDS again. I I scrubbed, uh, I scrubbed them off the last time using some uh, corrosive powder and some uh, steel wool, but it turns out that's a pretty formidable disease, pretty hard to get rid of. So yeah.
0: I really thought long and hard. As soon as you said you got sick on the road, the first thing I thought of was AIDS. Cause you and me, when we're together alone talking, we try to make as many AIDS jokes as possible. And I'm like, well, do I bring, do I try to bring the AIDS humor into the podcast world where people might be like, hey man, that shit's not funny?
1: Well, they, there are people that might think it's not funny, but I don't want to live in a world where you can't at least joke about it. I mean, it's we we joke.
0: when we're alone together, we're making a lot of AIDS jokes. But here's the thing. I know you, you know me, and so we can make AIDS jokes. But if you don't know us and then you hear us making AIDS jokes, you're like, those guys are monsters.
1: But I think the people who listen to the show have a good sense of who we are at this point, hopefully. Although, this is probably going to be someone's first episode, just inevitably. Right. And they're going to be like, what the fuck? What do you think's funny about it? Like, why do we joke about it? Because that shit's scary as
0: fuck, dude. It's like, I mean, I I guess it's not as scary now because I guess it's controllable. But for the long, for most of our lives, AIDS was like the boogeyman. Like, it was like when you got AIDS, that was it. You're gonna die soon. And so, I think anything that's super frightening like that is gonna make you wanna. Like, I don't deal with fear well,
1: or feelings,
0: so I tend to joke about things that um that make me really uncomfortable. And of course, AIDS is one of those things.
1: Right. And that's where most jokes come from. And you were also sort of navigating the 80s, what, in your 20s? Early mm, 20s? I was a teenager in the
0: 80s, dude. Okay. Sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm still with time. a teenager in the 80s, dude.
1: In the aid- ease (laughs) (laughs) i'm a wordsmith words are my life all right um dude i was really bummed to see uh i your drummer uh our friend wayne uh he posted about you guys got broken into in portland and i i hit him up immediately Uh, that really sucks man
0: it was one of those things where we were backstage and the guy was like uh somebody busted into your van and i'm just like i'm not gonna deal with this at all. Like, I just was like, I'm not going to deal with it. And he wanted me to come check it out. And I'm like, I'm not going to.
1: This is the Doug Fur, right?
0: Is that the Doug Fur? And I mean, there's a lot of...
1: That place is shady. It's The shady. club there's... is really cool, but the sh- it's really shady around that club.
0: Yeah. I mean, I went, to, I went to like an AA meeting there like 10 years ago. And it was like maybe three blocks from there. And I'd never really gotten away from the hotel and that walk. To where that AA meeting was, was sketch. And then that AA meeting was sketch. Like, it was all sketchy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been touring, you know, for 19 years. Literally, I've had two break-ins. Portland, the other night, and then Atlanta, maybe 12 years ago, where somebody busted the window in my car and took one of my guitars but that's pretty good. Yeah. Like
1: that's a pretty good record. It's a good ratio. It's still total bullshit that musicians have to worry about that. I think if you steal if you first of all, if you're stealing things, you're a piece of shit. But if you steal from musicians, that's just like another tier to me.
0: I don't know, man. I it's weird. It you know, it costs like four hundred bucks, which is and it and it was a pain in the ass for Ted to go uh, you know, have to get up early and get the window fixed but but didn't
1: they get jay's bag didn't they actually get some of jay's stuff
0: they got jay's bag they got some photos that are some irreplaceable photos um that he lost which is a real bummer um but Mm. uh so that yeah that that's the that's the part of the equation that's super sucked but um i don't know man i'm not like i understand why people do that i mean they need money for their drugs They're hooked on some fucking drugs that are heavy duty. So, I don't know. I mean, it sucks. I wish it wouldn't happen, but I'm not going to get mad at somebody who's going into withdrawal for doing what they got to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I would have turned that dude into the police immediately, and I would have... I just, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time getting mad at somebody that, A... I can't do anything about it. So,
1: I would have requested that they get the uh, the Rambo bath, the fire hose Rambo bath, and I would have requested that they let me watch it and masturbate during it.
0: Hold on, zip, and I would have requested the rainbow bath, where they just a rainbow bath. They just put him. They put him in a meadow with a bunch of dandelions, and then they sprinkle rainbows on him. And then
1: they're I, like, "Oh, you said the Rambo bath." They gave him the rainbow bath. You're,
0: you're not hearing the best part. And then I'm masturbating behind a oh. tree, because not out in the open, but behind a tree, like a little, uh, like a like puck holding. You're some, like the go- <laughs> like yeah with goat legs, and and I've got some grapes in my teeth. And I'm just, ding 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 masturbating behind the tree. You're
1: like a, yeah, so you're like a mythological centaur, centaur minotaur, and you're behind the tree, like the guy who plays that trumpet song at funerals.
0: Right, and when I come, it's just tiny little baby dragonflies come out of my dick. Wow. <laughs> That's the rainbow bath.
1: Wow. Well, <clears throat> it's good to be back. It's good to talk to you. How was the tour?
0: I did see. uh, I did see Midsummer. I think the last podcast you were asking me about Midsummer.
1: Okay, let's do it. Let's have it out.
0: That fucking nightmare movie. Good God! First of all, you know me. I'm not a fan of LSD or people dosing people with LSD. in that whole movie, those motherfuckers were everybody was getting dosed in that movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You do have sort of a phobia of that, and that's a really big part of the aesthetic of Midsummer is that they're on drugs the whole time.
0: I mean, let's do some. Let's do a. Let's talk about it. So let's do a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, and I recommend seeing it.
1: I'm down to have the combo. I I I thought it was a stunning, beautiful film, a really fresh take on it, and a really surprising in a lot of ways between what the hor- what the horror actually was, and if you don't want to know what happened, skip ahead
0: five minutes. We'll just talk about it for a couple minutes. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. It was beautiful to look at. The acting was great, and it was fucked up. I mean it's no mandy mandy's the 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 pinnacle Mandy's a ten midsummer was a uh, eight and a half.
1: I gave Midsummer a nine, so we're pretty aligned. I, I think I think Midsummer's a better movie than Mandy, but on the fucked up a meter, Mandy's definitely the big winner for sure. What was the deal at the end when she started smiling? Because she finally was home. She finally had her family. She accepted that she accepted that the, the closest people in her life who were supposed to be her support system couldn't do it and never would. And she finally found a place where she was the May Queen. She's accepted unconditional love, unconditional empathy. The women holding her and crying with her and screaming with her. Uh, She accepted it. That's why she was smiling. She's home. How about those
0: dudes at the end when they realize that they're on fire?
1: And they're like, oh,
0: this shit does hurt. And that shit they gave us is bullshit.
1: They just gave them like, they're like, here, take this for the pain. <laughs> it's just like milk you know
0: uh yeah that movie was really good and then somebody told me uh that hereditary is very similar but which i haven't seen because it looks more but they're like it's more like occulty, whereas midsummer everything could have happened in midsummer in real life
1: yes midsummer is not a supernatural film uh, Hereditary is very much a supernatural film about uh, demons a uh, demon possession but the the similarities are i mean obviously it's Ari aster it's the same director and he wrote both of them which I find amazing and uh but they both deal with grief with particularly with women uh, struggling with grief and both films sort of deal with fatalism like in a way at the end of midsummer you see danny's trajectory from a burden her friend's She's She puts her friends out. They don't want her to be there. They don't like her. They don't accept her. She's too much. She's grieving too much. You see that start to switch to where Christian becomes the burden, and she ultimately has him killed. You just see this whole trajectory, and when you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, it could have really never been another way. And Hereditary is very much like that. And I know you, I know you don't like Toni Collette, man, but she's amazing in Hereditary.
0: It's not that I don't like her. I think... It's just something happens when somebody has somebody has a different accent in real life and then they're doing a, an American accent. It just triggers some part of me that says, uh, I don't I don't like this person. How about this scene in Midsummer where she's freaking out and then all the lady she's screaming and then all the chicks are around her screaming. Dude, I've done that with my son and my daughter a thousand times.
1: Yeah, it's 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 actually beautiful. That was a really important scene in the film, I think.
0: Yeah, it was. But I was like, uh, "That's my shit right there. That's my that's my that's the way I deal with people in my family, screaming and having feelings. I just mirror their feelings, right? So, and then I take the people that I don't like and I set them on fire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in a big uh, well, first of all, I kill a bear. <laughs> and I hollow it out, and then I put them in a bear uh, outfit, and then I burn them in a big weird right. house. But I do it
0: all in my imagination, so they don't right. know what's happening, right. but I know what's happening. Zip.
1: I I walked away from the theater really stunned, and I've been having a lot of arguments with people on the internet about <clears throat> about it. And I'm okay if someone like you disagrees with what a film means, or if it's good, or if it if it's effective. That's one thing because I know that you really think about it. But it seems like a lot of the people that don't like the film really misunderstood it and thought they were going to go in and see sort of a more traditional horror movie. I mean, Ari Aster calls Midsummer basically a breakup film just set against this really strange cult in Switzerland or wherever they are. Uh, But a lot of people were really confused by it. They thought that what was funny about it wasn't intentional. I thought all the humor in it was really intentional. They're like, "Oh, people were laughing in our theater during the sex scene." I'm like, "They were supposed to." It was insane.
0: I was not laughing. I was too busy masturbating during that scene. You didn't laugh when the chick p- p- was pushing his butt? That dude, I came right then. That's when I spurted, and I was like, "Oh shit, I better wipe that off the keyboard."
1: I regret uh, I regret introducing the masturbation joke into this conversation. This is too much masturbation? Maybe. Wait, you're telling me you watched this on your computer? You didn't go see this in the theater? No, I watched it on the big
0: screen. And I I didn't masturbate during that scene. Good God. Oh, okay. I don't don't masturbate, by the way. Because I'm a gentleman. And gentlemen don't bait. Biatch! All right, so the other movie I watched, speaking of horror movies, is Hellboy. And the reason I didn't watch it in the theater is because it got such terrible reviews. And... So I finally watched it because it just came out on, on video. Yeah. It starts off like the CGI in it is really terrible. Like, I hate
1: CGI so much. Yeah. And it's really
0: bad. But the guy who plays the sheriff on Stranger Things plays Hellboy and he's so good and it's so funny. Like it's, it's really a pretty good, it's, a, it, it's a, you know, if you can, like, if you can overlook the CGI somehow, the movie itself is actually really fun, and it's a it's a true horror movie. It's so gross, like it's like heads getting cut off, and and entrails, and lots of blood, and lots of just like fucked up amputated body parts and stuff. Like, okay. it's a hard R. Okay, but uh, I I really liked it. Like, after
1: I watched it, I was like, I want to watch it again right now. Because Ron Perlman previously played Hellboy, right?
0: Who was great. And I yeah. was like, nobody can <clears throat> nobody can beat Ron Perlman. And this guy's better. It's sort of like, you know, when Tobey Maguire played the first Spider-Man, I was like, well, nobody can beat him. He's like the best actor. And then yeah, everybody's yeah. been better than him
1: since. I know that you're big on those Hellboy movies. I've tried to watch the Ron Perlman ones. It's just, it's just not for me. And I like Guillermo del Toro a lot, but it's just not for me.
0: I mean, it could be that you're racist against uh demons because he's a demon
1: he's no, a red uh, he's a i red love de- demons maybe
0: if it was a white demon <laughs>
1: you'd be better with it. i i love demons i I like demons more than people i think oh well it's not that then i may check it out i did see that it was on vod i've been watching um dude i watched these two hr giger documentaries you got to be a, an hr giger cat right i watched
0: all the HR Geiger and I've never said Geiger I always say Geiger uh I've watched all of the documentaries I love him
1: that guy's I love him so freak. much I can't believe and he, dude he said something interesting so I've been reading uh I got a few of his books and uh I'm kind of going through a Geiger phase I would I suppose and um he had this phrase so for those of you out there who don't know who HR Geiger is he's most famous for he designed all the aliens and all the alien world of the Alien movies. So he got tapped by Ridley Scott in seventy nine, and but he was doing all this artwork in the sixties and seventies. But you know how Alien came about, right? Uh, I uh, get me up the speed here. I am not sure. So what you're talking b-
0: before about. Alien, they were gonna they were gonna make this movie. They were gonna make Dune with this crazy ass director, and I can't think of his name right now. He's like a Russian sounding guy. Anyways, he was this crazy guy. He brought all these people together, including Giger and all the people that made the Alien movie, and that production fell through. The Doom okay. movie fell through, and then all, because all those people had met and knew each other, uh, they went on to make Alien.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: Except I don't know any of the names of the actual original thing.
1: But Well, I know that Dan O'Bannon wrote... Alien, and he's the one who introduced Ridley Scott to H.R. Giger to his work. And supposedly when Ridley Scott saw the Necronomicon, which was one of HR Giger's like first publications, he was like, that's it. And what really is remarkable to me, and something I it made me think of you, Bob, because they brought him in because of his paintings and his um uh what what is it when you spray paint, uh what do you call it? Airbrush. Airbrush. A lot of it was airbrush. And what yeah. amazes me is that when they brought him in because of his airbrushing, because he conjures these insane worlds. It's called biomechanical art, where it's it's a lot of human beings merged with machines, and and it's just, the, these whole worlds seem to exist, and he can see them. But what amazes me is that when they brought him in to consult for the film, he not only did he conceptualize it and draw it, he built it. Like... And you're kind of like that. You can draw stuff, but you can also build weird shit too. Like, I, I don't know. It just strikes me as really impressive. It, it must be what some people imagine. It must be like to write a song with lyrics and music and recording and playing guitar and programming drums. I mean, it, it, I can see why that dude would be a hero of yours in certain terms.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love, I love his, his art. The crazy thing was he built that crazy bar. Yeah, in Tokyo, and then the Yakuza just took it over, and then finally, they're like, we got to shut this place down because it's just basically like a crime den.
1: Oh, I didn't know it was in Tokyo. I thought it was in Zurich.
0: Uh, it might be now.
1: Okay. Well, the th- the thing he talks about is he's like, I I made these paintings, I made this art, be- precisely because it scared him, and he was like, I basically dream this world, and when I close my eyes, this is what I see. And I make the art to, in some way, exercise it so I have a little bit of control over it. I thought that was an interesting, you know, reasoning for why he does what he does.
0: Guess what there's a lot of in H.R. Giger's art? Penises. Yeah, a lot of anal sex, too. Well, I mean, if you're going to have penises, I mean, if you're going to have the letter A, the letter next to it's going to be B. It's not going to be M or J. It's going to be butthole. Oh, my God. (laughs) B. C. This this is a
1: podcast for middle schoolers now. Well, you're the one that brought up butt sex, not me. Well, that's true. I did bring that up. Uh, Should we read some emails? Oh, yeah. We're backlogged on emails. Um, Backlogged? Hold on. Did you say backlogged? We're backlogged. Yeah. All right, this first one that we will read is actually from my friend Sarah, a dear friend of mine who I met through the uh, Metallica podcast I do. She says, "I'm so sorry, Bob. I had no clue who you were until Clint got me into this podcast, and honestly, I mistook what he said and thought he was doing a podcast with John Schneider. So in a way, my little Beau Duke loving heart was crushed when I found out it wasn't him. However, since I've been listening, I've gone through your catalog and totally dig your work. Also, you and Clint have great chemistry. I really look forward to hearing you each week." You need to do more gigs together so we can see the magic happening live. Hugs to you both. Sometimes you sound like you really need one. Take care, Sarah.
0: Oh, thanks, Sarah.
1: She's a sweetie, man. You would really love her.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm taking that hug in.
1: Yeah, we'd have to just both hug Sarah separately and then not hug each other. Because we've talked about that.
0: Here's the kind of hugs I like from strangers. The ones that I imagine, not the actual ones that I get. Because right. the ones that I get tend to be sweaty And at the end of a night And then I don't know who they are But with Sarah I can just picture her in my mind And then I can picture her Hugging me in my mind And mm-hmm. that's perfect
1: And you're in a H.R. Giger hellscape
0: I look down and I see my Fur-covered goat legs <laughs>
1: <laughs> And uh, everything's good <laughs> Uh, thanks, Sarah. So I'm glad she's listening, man. That's really cool. Joshua Gibson writes in, and he says, a story. The subject is story about a Bob song. Dear Bob and Clint, I have a fateful story to share with you about one of Bob's songs. My wife and I got married 10 years ago today. My wife emailed Bob about playing our wedding, but he respectfully declined. We get it. No big deal. So we booked a cover band for our first dance. The band played your song, Bob, The World Exploded Into Love. He said, They didn't do it justice. Who could? But that's not why I'm writing. He says, we've been big fans for a long time. When we met you, she asked me if I knew who Bob was, and I did. Our second date was a Bob show at the Granada Theater. It was awesome. Granada Theater in Dallas is one of the most favorite venues I've ever played with you, by the way. That's a wonderful venue. Fast forward to one year after our wedding, our first anniversary. We go to St. John in the Virgin Islands. We hit a random local bar that night and start chatting with a couple of lesbians who were there together. Zip. Uh, We were having a great time. Now, I've heard some of Bob's songs randomly play at random places over the years, maybe two or three times, but on this night, at about the exact time we were dancing a year prior, the world exploded into love, came on at that random bar in St. John. We couldn't believe it. It was like a sign of fate. We got up and danced again in the middle of the bar. Today, we celebrate our 10-year anniversary. We've since been to a ton of shows and met Bob a couple of times. We love the podcast, but can only listen when we're away from the kids because you guys like to say motherfucker a lot. Thanks for the memories and for being a big part of our lives, even though you might not know it. Your fans, Lauren and Josh.
0: Oh, thanks, Lauren and Josh, and uh, wow, that's really cool. I've, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm like Bono in Saint John. I know I've talked to some people who have heard my music in Saint John, and they're like, "You should come to Saint John and play." And I'm like, "Yeah, there might be like five people that have heard of me there, but...
1: especially if you're like the Bono of there."
0: Here's the other thing too, dude. When you did the two lesbians and you went zip, I'm like, the two lesbians that I pick, like the two lesbians that I pictured in my mind immediately were like in their late fifties, and I was like, zip. (laughs) Okay, so you were picturing the same ones I was.
1: I've actually never been attracted to lesbians in my whole life. I've just why would you? Uh, Why would you be
0: attracted to lesbians? That'd be like, I I agree. I mean, you can find, you can, you can look at a lesbian and go, "Oh, that's an
1: attractive woman." But I don't know why you would. Why would you want to be with two? Why would you? Why would you be attracted to two people? I don't want to be not who don't want to see your dick or or have fun with you sexually. I don't want to be with anybody that is not
0: turned on by me. Like the idea of being with somebody who is repulsed by you sexually is not my idea of a good time.
1: I totally agree. Uh, Let's read one more here before we split, because we are creeping up towards the end here. Our dear mutual friend Katie Featherston writes in. She says, Clinton, Bob, I'm catching up on episodes, and I'm midway through the conversation about the crazy lady who rolled around on the stage and Bob freaked out and (laughs) reacting. Of course, we refer to her now in I'm okay, you're okay land as the Arkham Asylum Lady. Affectionately, (laughs) of course.
0: (laughs) I love that.
1: <laughs> She's like a character on the show now. She says, Bob, I adore you, and you say things often on stage that make me deeply uncomfortable. Smiley face. You saying wild stuff is part of your on-stage charm as a fan and as someone who's probably so far left and into being kind and quote-unquote politically correct that you guys would both roll your eyes at me. My opinion is this. The audio wasn't that bad, and you seem to have a pretty reasonable Bob-like reaction to a strange event. You do you. Katie, P.S. Hi, Clint. I miss you, bud. Oh. So that's Katie who's who's been a fan of yours for a long time and a friend of ours for a long time. She gets you. That's her weighing in, and I think that her I think she's correct. I think her response is accurate.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that and thanks, Katie. It, uh, I did see her we we just played in LA and I saw her in the audience, and it's always a delight to see her. Uh, it makes me smile a lot. You know what
1: felt really shitty while you guys were doing that? She she texted me from the show. And was just like, hey, I'm seeing Bob, I miss you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was actually in Southern California, maybe two hours from Los Angeles, uh, touring with my guy. And uh, it felt really not great to be that close, especially like playing, you guys played the Troubadour, right? We did. Like playing the Troubadour with you, it was some of my favorite shows ever. I don't know, man, I really missed you guys. It felt weird to be all the way out there close to you and not be playing with you.
0: Yeah, well, I missed you too, and uh, I mean, yeah, we we tried to make it work, but you yeah. you were already booked, and uh, we we'll get out there. We'll do we'll we'll definitely at some point there'll be a time where we're going to be playing together again. Of course, um, you know, hopefully sooner than later.
1: This fall is actually pretty slow for me. Um, the guy I play for is having a baby, and they haven't really booked a lot of dates. And you know, maybe uh, maybe a window will open this fall. Yeah. I know that Isabel, my wife, she definitely wants us to make an Austin trip and hang out with you and Laura and Scarlett and bring Nova. Man, that would be great. That would be really fun, huh? Yeah, I'd love it. Uh, we are coming up on being out of time for this episode, so thanks to everyone who who stuck with us through the, uh, the week off. Man, life's busy, dude. This shit creeps up on you really fast, right? I know. It's crazy. So hopefully we're going to be on
0: time with the episodes every week. Remember, uh, it really helps if you – rate the podcast and write a review. Uh, I know you you can just like make it a two word review. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but that really helps. And also tell somebody else about it if you like it, because uh, I haven't been very good about advertising it and I've heard a lot of uh, good feedback on it. So hopefully um, we can grow it and uh, make more friends. And uh, also you can check out, clint's podcast metal up your podcast which is a wonderful podcast and you can check out my other podcast uh, bob schneider song club um both of those are wherever you get your podcasts
1: and if you want to write into us we read every email we get it's bob and clint at gmail.com and with that we will say goodbye to all you sweet babies out there and say peace peace